Everybody listen to We're Not Wizards. Because we are the best. And we're not wizards. No matter what anybody says. Goodbye. Wizards, my name's Richard. I'll be your host. It's been a while, isn't it? So I was joined by the rather wonderful, rather fantastic Lewis Shaw from Brain Crack Games. Um, just for a catch-up chat, because we've been meaning to talk for a while. So we cover a lot of different topics, um, but I just hope you enjoy the chat. And now, I'm with the show. This is like one of those situations where um, kind of like, you know how there used to be like a sense of urgency to everything, and there still is a sense of urgency. But I think people... I feel are, like it's only gotten worse. I think I think people are, people are doing a difference between kind of like looking at the big stuff and just going, well, how important is that in my life? And then on the other side of it, they're looking at stuff and they're just going, back, I can just... I can kind of, I need to get that done yesterday or they're looking at other things and going, I just need to, I can let that slide. It was like, mm. I'll give you an example. When I got my car MOT'd and I got it done back in March because I thought, well, I better get it done just in case because otherwise there's going to be a rush. And the garage were like, oh, you've got to take care of that right-hand tyre. Now, previous me would have thrown money at the guy and said, just fix it. Mm. But pandemic me was just like, you know, I've done about the most mileage I've done was actually driving out to get this MOT done. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we're good. I think we're good. Yeah. What's the odd tire that just yeah? What's the odd tire between friends? How are you anyway? How's how's you and how's the family? Because it's been oh, it's, it's good. It is turning into one, isn't it? It's been That's a, the thing. It keeps catching me off guard. It's a. It's been a while. I mean, I was looking at um. The, the the Skype chat and it was literally over two years ago. Yeah, it's it's long enough that my uh, Skype has just completely forgotten how long it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, just it is like who is this who is this R Simpson fellow? It's just a it's just a date. It's just kinda of like a date in the past kind of thing. Mm. Which is kinda of like fun. Which is kinda of like because things have um things have changed quite a lot for you. Because um yeah let's talk I mean we will go. I mean um we will talk obviously about other things, but on you've had a kind of kind of few kind of personal things kind of happen. Yeah. This has been an eventful couple of years for you, isn't it? And and more so than than is even than I've even really talked about much. Like like it, it it's been a big year for me, not just because Rowan was born, and, mm-hmm. um, but also getting um, uh, like properly diagnosed with uh, ADHD for wow. the first time. Um, which I kind of I knew yeah. for what seems like forever, like it was always just a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and people would just meet me and be like, "Oh, you have ADHD? Um, okay, I know your <laughs> I know your deal." 
Um, but it was the kind of realization that I was like, oh, I actually need, I actually have like responsibilities now. I should probably uh-huh. get my shit together. Yeah. And then it, that, doing that and then getting medicated seemingly just like touched everything. And I don't want to say like fixed everything, but has definitely made a big improvement. Do you find that, um, because you, you've always had a bit of a drive mm. behind you to get stuff done. And that's kind of shown in, I guess, the the growth that you've kind of seen. But have you always had the drive, but then you've kind of like went, oh, I forgot to put kind of socks on today, or I forgot to put a wash on, or the, <laughs> the dishes. Oh, yeah, like, like, like the... the the drive was always there, but yeah. it was just for whatever was interesting in in the minute. Yeah. Um, and it was only through the efforts of others that that meant that it kind of sustainably turned into a company. Um, when I started, when, when, the, when the thing of the minute was like, I want to make a board game. Um, and it just kind of, um, I don't want to say like accidentally turned into a business, but it kind of did. Um, and then I did the same thing again this year. Um a separate business where I was just like talking about it enough that it became a thing. Um, and it's a terrible habit to just talk things into becoming uh, a reality, but it's one that I have. I can I, I don't know. I think there's a lot of people that they do an awful lot of talk and then the next thing, but they just talk some more about it. And oh, you, yeah. I mean, that's that's a totally respectful way to go about your life, isn't it? Like, like yeah, to have. Yeah. Little little fantasies and to, and to be you know quote unquote professional. One thing one thing that did one thing I do notice is the amount of people who just kind of like will, will self describe as like an entrepreneur as like as like as people who are just like oh yeah there's nothing no kind of other word for it than I just make things happen. And personally, I don't really like the word, but it is kind of I suppose applicable to me. Well, I mean it it, it is applicable to me uh, whether I like it or not. I like just the tendency to just make things happen um but then the measure in it the measure of it isn't you know how many companies you start or whatever it's just how well you actually follow through on that and take that as a take that on in your life as like a going concern have you found it um have you found it easier now that you're kind of you're doing the medication stuff for adhd to actually focus on not focus on the now but focus more on kind of like what what's going to happen the actual plan in the path because i know because my issue is um that i will quite happily sit there um, if i'm focused on something else and um i would have a flood of water wash over me and only because what i'm dealing with just now has all of a sudden become exceptionally important to me that I can move away, even if it means something oh, that's yeah, going to yeah. kind of absolutely mess up my world. I will quite, I will quite happily sit there until somebody comes along and says, um, "Are you not meant to be moving out of the way this large deluge of water that's kind of coming your way?" But at the moment, I'm really focused on you know this side of things, so I, I don't, I don't care. And that, that's what I've always, you know, personally, I've always kind of struggled with it. And also, um, it's really funny, but I don't know, in terms of organising stuff, have you, I, I really kind of rely on lists. And I don't mean kind of list software. I mean, I don't mean like Trello task manager and stuff like that. Mm. I've physically got to have a piece of paper with the five or ten things I need to concentrate on. 
because I know that yeah. if I've got them in Trello or if I've got them in Keeper or whatever I'm using, I can close that tab <laughs> and I can just completely ignore it. But if it's oh yeah, it's so it's so easy to to use those to like have those things, but yeah. then not to actually like regularly use them. Yeah, I am wondering. It almost it almost becomes a to do list thing to like <laughs> just look at my to do list and have a sort through that. Have a sift through that because I, I I just became like a hoarder. I was like, right, I'm getting organised. Yeah, I'm like write everything I need to do. Yeah, and of course, and because I had never really made a plan before, like in my life, every I was like, right, okay, this is what planning looks like. I just like put a date on everything, and everything is super urgent because I was just like really in the mindset of just like, right, I've like fucked everything up for years. Now I'm getting my shit in order, and I need to do it pretty quickly to make up for lost time. Yeah, um, but then over the like last couple of months to kind of realize like okay it's all right to actually have priorities and to let some things because it's not uh, like i still think of it as like oh, i'm letting that slip but it's not it's like i'm making that a lower priority and it still feels awful and there's um, there's absolutely no point in as like you said there's absolutely no point in me marking anything as urgent because all that happens is if i say right i'm going to put a tick on this to mark it as urgent the next thing I'll do is I'll put a double tick on the next thing. And before I know it, I've literally <laughs> got a list of stuff that is just like a line of ticks where I, and, and not and everything then is urgent. And what I've yeah. had to do is I've had to almost treat my teach myself this like, well, I'll tell you what, rather than do urgency in your brain, order it kind of any other way. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Order it alphabetically <laughs> and then just do it. Or order it by a certain date, but then just do it. And I think the biggest thing is actually just getting on and saying, well, what's the least exciting thing I could do? Well, let's just get it out of the way and almost treat myself. It's a kind of a strange a strange thing. But that's I have a piece of paper and a pen, and it, it just works. Yeah, I find, that I find I tend to else. just... I, I have like a... We, we now try and have like kind of like one document that like everyone's looking at, mm. and it's got, you know the plan and inverted commas and it's and it's the kind of it's where we like work things out week by week and say okay what is actually going on and then i tend i've I've kind of fallen away from like all the uh like you know apps and stuff just in favor of like a kind of dieted like to-do list each morning and just like sit mm-hmm. there and write okay like what actually needs to happen right now and like refer to those things but then just like give myself a really really slim line tonic version of it so that i can actually digest it and not just get completely freaked out um, which is what would happen otherwise if I just like looked at, looked at the actual list of things to do, or things that Kickstarter backers or whoever are asking me to do, because um, it, it just becomes a kind of mess. Otherwise, what um, what pushed you to? I mean, you mentioned obviously Rowan turning up. Was it when you got kind of married? Was it after that event? Was it the birth of Rowan coming along? Did that make you decide? I really need to kind of sort everything out. Was there a defining moment where you went, um, "All oh, right, this is what it's like to be an adult." <laughs> I can't. Yeah, it it was it was kind of like um, it 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 was just kind of that dawning realization of like, "Oh, I'm gonna have a small adult, and I can't really." You can't retcon a child in the same way that you can, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, like you know a project or you know some relationships or whatever like you know there are there are a certain amount of things you can just kind of like let them slide yeah but um in my opinion i was like i'm not gonna let a a human child be one of those things yeah Yeah. um and then and but it was only once i kind of started that 
process of like diagnosis and um like actually talking to someone and because because you obviously you can't just like turn up to the doctors and be like all right i have an adhd can you please give me a pill for it yeah like it's a whole i think that whole process took like i want to say like six months um to kind of get some to talk to someone and then to go through everything and you do a lot of questionnaires and and it's just like a process of realizing like oh this has actually had much more of an impact on my life than i thought it did Mm. And, um, and that's mildly depressing if if you let it if if you let it be depressing, you know, like that can really you could feel a lot of guilt with that. Yeah, but also on the other side of it, as long as you have done it, I think at any point in your life, as long as you are able to look at something like a diagnosis like that and then say, well, at least I I have done something about it, and at least you know, moving forward, mm-hmm. I know I know how to continue to do something about it. I think that's still a that's still a good, that's still a very very good thing, you know. As as time goes on, and I know um, relatives and people get older, you can, you can see people being so stuck in their ways, and you wonder you actually start to as yourself get older and you realise how the world works. You're a bit like, you're a little bit like, hmm. I wonder what kind of a different person you would be if maybe there was there been some additional support or if you'd taken a, a certain action. Uh, at kind of like a certain time. Um, but that's great, I mean, with regards to the diagnosis. In terms of the the business, in terms of brain crack itself, mm. did you sit down with, um, with Emily and think, should we be doing something else? I mean, where, where, where were you with the business when, when Rowan came along? Was everything kind of steady? Because you had had... You were you were on the lines to kind of like you've been doing pretty decent. I mean, you'd obviously you'd moved up from kind of like the likes of Mind Out, um, and then you were bringing things like you know you were as Farsight, and then recently, obviously, things have really kind of taken off with both kind of Ragusa and then kind of Venice. But again, at that point, did you say did you did you examine where you were as a business and say right, I really you know do I need to step back a bit and treat this as a kind of like a as a hobby or were you like saying well we need to go 100% on this to kind of make it really really yeah well I, well I mean we we had um we I had I think like about like two years now um decided to like leave the job I had been in for um two years and then move on to like a new place mm-hmm. and it was a step up and it was like a more kind of like um I was, I was, I was like editing a magazine um and that and and i thought okay yeah i'm like i'm ready for that like step up in uh responsibilities um and it maybe gives me a bit more like flexibility to like work with brain crack Mm -hmm. and then um i kind of like got there and to be to put it lightly they weren't super impressed with how i was managing myself um (laughs) being that i was you know essentially still like a very like kind of like scatty distracted person who would just convinced myself that i was you know qualified for this thing and i mean technically was qualified but yeah you know it, it then you know hit, hit the runway and we all realized like oh, okay maybe this wasn't really meant to be um and then when i kind of like left that and i was like doing like a bit like soul searching i was like what do i do now and emily just like said like we'll just do the business you know do do brain crack do do this full time because we'd been doing it for a couple of years by that point and we actually we'd it got to a point where we had been doing it as a hobby for so long that we forgot that. Oh yeah, you can. Actually, there is actually 
the potential to take this full time and um so I kind of took the took the leap of faith and and started doing it full time um and that and that was another one of the things that you know we realized like a couple of months in like oh if I'm actually at home completely beholden to myself like man- managing my own time like I need to actually like have a mm-hmm. you know have a look at the things that are affecting that um so yeah that that was that was another big it was it was that and, and Rowan that was like the okay time to time to attempt to do some impression of, of adulting but things seem to be I mean kind of going going well I mean I see I always view I always view kind of um the kind of this space either in two ways what happens is you get like a designer who continues to kind of release product and everybody just laps up that product again and again and again with a particular designer and then or you then you get to a point you go actually I need to reach out and bring kind of other people in to Mm. the organization and use the skills and the experience that I have and I kind of put you guys in the same kind of wheelhouse as Alley Cat Games in that um, you know and at the beginning I think you guys were kind of round about the same thing I mean Cesar brought out his own designs you had your own kind of designs as well yeah Um, yeah and then you've both kind of gone to the lines of kind of like bringing in designers from other places you've brought you've almost invited pitches to kind of come in was that was that a conscious decision to do that yeah yeah it was it was essentially like the we kind of realized like we enjoy um elements of like you know the publishing and 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 because at that point it was still like a part-time thing we Mm. quickly kind of realized like oh if this is ever going to become something else um it's not really possible for us to just come up with our own uh, ideas, you know, mm. and put out enough, you know, enough games to actually like make it worthwhile. And and, and a lot and a lot is, uh, I think, a lot of people see like some some like designed games on on Kickstarter and they think, oh, that's just you know, a cash cow. They just they just made a game and they put some art and they put it on it and then they just pumped it out there. And it's like it is so much harder than that. Um, you know, then that makes out. I know that's like you know, exaggerating, but there are so many uh, extra steps um, beforehand, even just to come up with like the initial concept of like a game that people want to actually play. Um, so that was when we started like talking to all the other designers, and, and mm. it was really infectious, kind of bringing someone onto a project and them having loads of, um, you know, all, all the enthusiasm for for their project uh, for their project. Um, and yeah, we just kind of got caught up in it really and said, yeah, okay, let's, let's, let's do this one and then this one and then this one. And it's <laughs> like, it, it, it's, you, you can get, you can easily get really like, um, a kind of kleptomania about like signing games because you, everyone pitches you their game and like, this is the most amazing thing in the world. Yeah, and you're yeah. like, yes, okay, I want to believe. Yeah. Um, and then over the kind of years we've like, managed to almost like gain a bit more control over that process and thinking like okay what kind of it's gone from like what kind of games do designers want to pitch us um as like existing as a company that has no established boundaries you know we, we've always been like yeah yeah if, if it's something we want to play then we'll, we'll publish it it doesn't matter if it's not the same genre 
Yeah, no, um, absolutely. No, I see that. I mean, I see that if you just look at the, the the stuff that you've done. I mean, in the same breath, you've got like Farsight, and then after that, you've got Den Breakfast. You know, mm. two completely different things, and it's almost like I, I would I would have the the, the, the kind of the, the Venn diagram of people who'd be into Dead and Breakfast <laughs> and people who were in Farsight to be very, very, very almost apart. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is crazy how much you can kind of, um, f- like, feel the difference, if that makes sense, when, when you, yeah. like, publish different kinds of games and you, you know, pitch them to different people and, and the, the way people respond is... Um, yeah, it's just it's just crazy. Like the 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 way the way people engage with board games is like uh, it's such a huge spectrum. And when you when you're on like the parts of the internet that are like hobby board gamers or like people that back a lot of Kickstarters, you can kind of lose sight of that because they're the like the kind of I'm not saying like vocal minority because obviously I don't actually know the numbers, but it's it's so easy to like get uh, get away from what people actually want. Um, and what people tell you that they want, and like it's 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 so funny that like the amount of uh, um, let's say very enthusiastic feedback <laughs> that we got from <laughs> from like Farsight and people who were involved in the campaign even before we launched it, like yeah, kind of having an opinion just on the way that we described the game um, through to something like Dead and Breakfast, which didn't like take a huge amount of money on Kickstarter, and no one was really talking about it. Um, and then, but that's like the one game that when I go to a convention or if I'm like wearing a branded t-shirt somewhere, someone will come up and be like, oh yeah, I played Dead and Breakfast and I really like it. And like, it's really popular with our family. Yeah. But, but, but they're not like, they're not, those aren't the kind of players that are like, you know, sitting on forums and giving you their opinion 24 hours a day. Like it's, so, so we kind of got the benefit of like feeling out the different audiences. And this isn't to say that like, there are any people I don't want to sell board games to, but like, figuring out what kind of a community we can have and that we want to have um and that kind of suits us um which i think is partly the reason that you know the last our, our focus for the last couple of years has been it's been euro games because it's like a really just a really lovely crowd uh, who, can, who seem to just kind of get it you know who get they, they know what they want yeah and we, we know what they want and and it's yeah it's uh it's been nice kind of having those people come back and chat to us about things. Well, um, when you're, because um, I mean, let's talk about this kind of Ragusa and then Venice. Did that when you were getting kind of like the feedback for Ragusa? Was it just natural that kind of Venice was like, well, let's this is easy. Let's just get, let's just get Venice on here. Let's just do it because it made an awful lot of sense, as you said. The the crowd of people that were brought in, and the kind of because I I don't think, and I'll be honest, I don't think people, I don't think anybody intends to give nasty feedback. I think they always come in with the best of in, best of intentions and oh yeah yeah. We, I don't think we, kind of we've thing. not had we've not had many people who are like just straight up mean yeah. Um, but there is like a um. In, in, in certain parts of the internet just this kind of like mentality that um like 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 we have this we have this way of talking to the developers and the publishers so we should do it to kind of tell them how to do their jobs <laughs> <laughs> um which is like which is like on, on the one hand is, is like really useful and we've had like 
I, I really like value that feedback because we've had um, like expansions and the and the way that we do our kickstarters have changed um, because of people's feedback and them just telling us like you know put it plainly I'd rather it were this way around and we we're like okay yeah we'll, we'll, yeah we'll do it that way then um, and. It, it, it's like I, I like I never want to like lose that kind of like feedback because that's that's why we're on Kickstarter in the first place, right? Because it's like yeah. getting people who actually want to support it and have a say in how it comes out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's I think I think while everyone comes at it with like a constructive, um, like feeling, to be on the receiving end of that, especially like during a campaign when it's when you're getting so much of it, it can just feel like so personal. Um, because you know you, you're getting it as like a message on your phone, like you would like you know a text from a friend or something, but it's like fifty strangers telling you that the same thing is wrong and needs to be fixed, <laughs> and and it's like that that that's one of the hardest things about having it go from like a hobby, you know, well it's still being a family business that you run out of our like house, like it's kind of everything just hits that bit harder, um, feels that bit more real. Yeah, I think it's all the difference. I meet um, a lot of people who are in the manufacturing side because I, I work with businesses that sell online and sell mm. primarily into Amazon. And the number of the number of people that I speak to who are just like, look, I make the product. You can put me in a room in front of Waitrose, Tesco's, Sainsbury's, Asda's, whoever, and I will pitch that product and I will guarantee they will take... 4,000 units off me, mm. no problem at all. Do not ever put me in a situation where I'm having a deal with the end punter. <laughs> because yeah. my patience... Yeah, it, it's a completely different completely, ballgame, yeah. My patience completely evaporates. I says, I'm here to make widgets. I'm not here to deal with customer <laughs> service issues. And I see it again and again. So I know that there's some people that logistically minded when it comes to stuff, they're just absolutely brilliant with it. But... The reason they're so brilliant with it is because there's almost this wall. There's a disparity between them actually needing to deal with the kind of the, I guess, the end crowd. And I think if you're using like any kind of crowdfunding kind of platform, you end up at that dealing with the end consumer kind of thing, as opposed to if I was, you know, turning up to you at UK Games Expo and saying, "Look, here's my, here's my game." <laughs> You know, I could give it to you. You, you know, you would sign it. You would get it all sorted out, and all I would end up probably having to deal with is jumping on a couple of podcasts to talk about it, and maybe dealing with a couple of you know questions now and again. I wouldn't necessarily need to deal with kind of answering all the kind of the backers' problems. That's now your problem. It's not. It's not kind of. Um, it's not kind of kind of mine. Um, with with you, and like everybody else. Being at home, um, have you managed to get any games at all to the table? Is the thought of playing? Because I, I know, uh, the, the, I think one of the reasons, and I've mentioned this before, one of the reasons I kind of put a slowdown on even doing the podcast was because people were kind of still in a bit of shock that one of the main things that the reason that they talk about board games was it was 60% talk about board games, it was 40% talking about how I wrecked my garage at the weekend kind of thing, there was a social aspect. <laughs> so if you, and I think a lot of people are looking at the hobby kind of going, I'd really love to get, still get that social feeling, how do I, how do I kind of do that? 
have you have you managed to kind of play any games over the piece? And are, are you are you getting more time to play? Have you been playing anything in particular recently that's kind of taken your fancy? Yeah, I mean, it was. I think having to and and because obviously after Rome was born, Emily was on on maternity leave, and yeah. so we were both just spending more time together. Um, and it was. I, I like we've been playing more board games than we have ever been really because it's it, it was a realization that it's so hard to um find that escape and still be sociable yeah when you're like either running a business or you're doing parenting um and then because can because like usually like you know a lot of our hobbies before were like you know we, we would be at work all day and then we'd come home and then we just want a bit of like space to ourselves we mm-hmm. like, you know, listen to like a podcast or do like you know painting or whatever but then yeah we realized that we were like oh we're home all the time and we want to still enjoy each other's company but like you know because because we don't we can't go out to the cinema or whatever or, or whatever the, wherever it was before that we that we did um so it was almost like quite like this 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 like sense of urgency of like oh yeah we've got to like play some games now <laughs> like you know we we, we got to do that um yeah like, yeah like get them and and it, and it meant that we having having that like you know stated intention was it got us talking more about what kind of games that we like to play as a couple and yeah and kind of reconnecting with like what it was that got us in when we started because because we didn't really have like a kind of conventional introduction to board games either because we were just like going on google and buying willy-nilly like mm. like the look off yeah. so we ended up you know one day i, I you know i buy carcassonne and i would be like you know what the fuck is this it looks so dull and it's just <laughs> fields of farms and then the next day it, like you know a copy of mansions of madness would arrive and we'd be like what is this is the most complicated game ever made and and yeah and and, and it just kind of um meant we ended up with a some might say eclectic collection <laughs> um so it was nice then to actually like reconnect and be like all right what of these do we actually like enjoy sitting down and doing and getting out of it and um trying to almost entertain each other's um individual tastes a bit more like obviously we've got like a lot of like crossover in the games we like to play but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i was doing a lot more of um kind of if there's something Emily wanted to play that I wasn't really too keen on, be like more, um, more willing to try it, I suppose. And it sounds like I was like just being, you know, so obstinate before, but <laughs> no, no, not at all. I think um, there was a lot of people who I've seen a lot of people who are like, you know, I felt I used to collect for collect sake, mm. as in I had a huge, a relatively reasonable size collection of board games that included a lot of names that everybody would recognise. And I've seen a lot of people saying, right, I have now culled my collection down to games that I know I'm definitely going to play because based on the current climate, there's no way I'm going to get this five-player game to the table or this four-player game to the table. It's just, it's never, ever going to happen. So I might as well get rid of it and get something that I know is going to come to the table kind of again and again. Um, Which I guess you kind of, that's how things have gone. I think that there's been a lot of, a little bit of introspection for people. I think people are looking for this golden day where the sun's gonna come up and everybody's scheduled for their vaccines and then people are gonna say, Well look, we can we can get back together and play some board games. And I think some people's 
tastes are potentially going to change because they've been forced maybe into that situation where um, you're right about the house thing um, because because we you know my my partner there in another room doing their job um, I was in I'm in my room doing my job there's this extra hour and a half that we have every day through commuting that we can get back mm. so it kind of you know it changes how you kind of view things and how you spend your spare time and if you can't go anywhere in your house I mean I, I think I don't think I've got anything left in the house to do do you know how you've always <laughs> got these little oh I, I don't feel that way I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm always like so I'm still somehow <laughs> like at least 10 miles behind you know the, the rest of the marathon runners like <laughs> <laughs> but it, I like it, it's that thing of like it's so many it's it's so easy and i feel like there are lots of people who do this as well but like it's so easy to not think about how you're spending your time and just go on autopilot and do and do kind of like what you've always done right because you just revert to habit and then it's like okay well i you know wake up in the morning and oh i can sleep in because i don't have a commute and then oh, i can do my work and i can have a bit more you know be a bit more cheeky with breaks and mm. like you know get my bits done and then like and and then I, and then I work maybe a little bit longer, or I like you know start on dinner earlier or whatever, and then I eat, and then I sit in front of the TV, and then I'm and then I go to bed, and I do the same thing again, and it, it happens so easily that you've done it for like a week, two weeks, a month, and then you're like, oh, what have I actually? Yeah, <laughs> you know <laughs> what, what have I, I done? It's, it's it's this like slow sinking feeling, like oh, I'm not actually doing anything. So then, like whether it's like like board games or or you know like arts and crafts or anything like you get this kind of feeling of all right i'll make time for this i gotta like set it aside and we're gonna come together and we're gonna agree to do it and it feels like it's, it's structure really that's what anyone really wants is it's kind of yeah like feeling like there's actually a a plan you know it's, it's people people don't even necessarily have like you know family zoom calls or whatever because they've got something really important to discuss it's just this feeling like okay now we have like family time you know like mm -hmm. sense of time to, time to connect with friends and i know like uh, especially like um people like my age group it's so like we're, we're kind of so into like we've got such like rigid digital habits anyway that once we were kind of shut in the house, it was like, oh, well, I can just, I've got more time to do like, you know, doom scrolling and just <laughs> like, <laughs> and, then, and, and you don't realize how many like opportunities to socialize you're kind of missing out on because you can't just like, yeah. And, and, and it's, it's so hard to just pull people back in and get everything, get back into the habit of it and, you know, change that, change the tune. As I, it were. I think at the beginning, I kind of, we got the dark, the garden done. We kind of started painting windows and decorating parts in the house and all these little jobs that I've been meaning to do forever. I was like, you know what, because I've got this extra time, I'm just going to get the, the jobs done. And I think we're at the point where we've done everything. <laughs> that yeah. We're at the point where it's kind of like, at the beginning it was like, well, you've got all this extra time at the weekend. You know, you, you can't, we can't go out anywhere. We can't just go out to waste time. We're now going to be inside so we might as well do stuff around the house so we did that but then we're now on the other side of it where we're it's kind of like at the beginning it was like well you, you can get this done now it's kind of like well there's no point in really holding there's no point in kind of getting everything done is there we might as well leave ourselves a couple of little bits <laughs> to mm. do otherwise we're kind of fourth fourth uh, 
rail bridge in it. We're having to start and paint <laughs> paint everything again, <laughs> kind of from from the from the kind of the beginning, which is always kind of fun. What I have noticed is that um, we've ended up playing um, more kind of board games, but the more heavier stuff isn't getting as played as much. But the lighter filler stuff. I mean, my my youngest, he's 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 eight. So if there's, um, I'm currently playing, we've been playing a lot of Zombie Kids um, okay. Evolution, which kind of came from nowhere and has become kind of like the industry got, industry darling and kind of won a couple of couple of awards. But we've been playing that. And the reason for that is really easy to play. Like really yeah. easy to play. And you just, you, you literally roll a dice, place a zombie, move your character, get rid of some zombies, keep going until the end. I don't know if you've seen it, but... It's got like legacy aspects to it. So yeah, I was really intrigued by it. It's something that we we like kind of playing around more with, and like in developing games, kind of saying like, there's this kind of assumption among some designers that like people who uh, would describe themselves as casual gamers don't want an involved experience. Mm. Um, so then they, and I think those people were kind of like. Well, I, well, I, I, I would, I would guess, surprised when you know these like kind of light legacy games came out, and it's like something you can keep coming back to, but it is inherently something that's like designed to be as easy to get to the table as possible, um, yeah. and to kind of be quick, quick to play, and to be kind of you know like like fr- friction free, um, and. Because people still want those, still want to feel like they're, you know, doing something or they're like telling a story or they're kind of like, yeah, like revisiting the same thing. Yeah, and it's also the, it's not like kind of like, um, say, the other like pandemic stuff where um, you are kind of, you're changing the thing and you can't go back, you can't revert back to a previous thing. I think the mm. best thing about this is I can make changes to it, but it's all optional. So if I then decide to scale stuff back, and if there's somebody new that's going to learn how to play the game, we can scale everything back to the beginning, and we can go back to the basic rules, and then we can introduce the new rules, and and it is like that. But it's really funny because what I see in the kind of the, I guess the the, the way things work just now is that I don't know of many people that experience maybe something more than two or three times mm. unless it's like what you would call one of the mainstays you know um i don't see people kind of getting involved and sitting sitting there and enjoying that and saying well this is my eighth this is my ninth the thing with the zombie kids is we're on game number fifteen, sixteen. And there's no way that we're gonna, we're not gonna keep playing because every single time you play, whether you win or lose, you get a sticker. Yeah, it's it's, it's like the little toy box aspect, and the, and the fact that like, the fact that it kind of took, a, it to, to happen in a kids game for everyone to realize like, well, I, I say quote, I should say quote unquote kids game, for that for that to do it, it made everyone kind of realize like, oh, that's actually what what i want you know it's just like that like kind of toy box aspect where it's mm-hmm. like it just gives you new things to play with yeah. and everyone gets really caught up in this idea of like oh it's got to be you know 
balanced and uber competitive and i keep kind of saying to people like what's the point in this being like a really competitive game if it's not likely that i'm going to play it like two or three times or, or, or you know with the same people over and over and over again because it's even again it's like like half as competitive or you know or like less balanced like if mm. i play it like 15 60 more times i'm gonna like, like I, I wouldn't be playing it again if i wasn't enjoying it you know like there's a lot of um there's there's a lot of weird um kind of sideways thinking in board games just and i think it is largely down to what we were saying earlier about like how people respond online and like who are the vocal parts of that audience yeah and and it's always going to be like people who are you know writing on bgg like this is balance i found this dominant strategy and it's like if you played a game enough to find out that there's a dominant strategy have you not gotten you know <laughs> you're 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 enjoying it out of it have you not you know but where at this but where at the same time you've got this the fear of the the huge amount of choice that you've got um and i think that sometimes is compounded by the kind of the media because media at the moment in, in 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 this kind of space is very much this is the latest thing i have got have a look at the latest thing that I have got and um, biggest respect to people like, you know, three minute board games or um, one minute board games as it's Sarah Shah um, yeah. and Jared at three minute board games. But they're just basically, this is how to tell you how quickly whether or not you think you might like the game. There's no kind of critical angle taken on it at all. And it's kind of like very quick, fast, foodie here's a service of, you know, that here's a service which shows you very quickly whether or not you're going to like that. And I've actually had people, um, designers and companies contact me and say, how how easy is it to make, how easy would it be to make a quick video about, about the main points of the game? And it's like, do you want that <laughs> kind of thing? Do you really mm. want that? Because I know, because uh, I, I, I've watched kind of playthrough videos of like two hours and then an opinion, and Rado's stuff was a kind of like um, Rado's was kind of like here's here's my final thoughts, which were on a separate video, and now we seem to be down to this thing of let's try and keep videos under ten minutes, which is really difficult to kind of do. Yeah, I think it's it's maybe it's that because the amount of releases have you know vastly expanded. Mm, oh yeah, it, it's it's like everyone is trying to almost keep up with it because because I, and, and I love and I I do love this about the board game kind of industry community at large is that there's this feeling of like you know on the table you want competition but then in the actual industry competition's a dirty word you don't want to like be trying to outdo another publisher yeah I know um, or, or or if you do you want to be like seem to be lifting up the kind of the little guy at the same time and celebrating like smaller creators. And that's like, I mean, it's really wonderful, but it's also just like, just exhausting, especially for like, for if you come at this, like, uh, you know, it, I mean, if you did what I did, like, like you start and you say, okay, I've made a game and I think it's pretty good. And my friends like it. And I want to bring it to like a wider audience. Mm -hmm. There is just this like, almost accepted fact now in the industry that like oh yeah what you're going to do is start up a board game company and that's like you know like 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 we've stuck with it but for every company that sticks with it and turns it into a thing there are also people who get like 
like really burnt out and really like you know disappointed or, or they like invest a lot of their own personal money into it and they like lose it and it's like kind of um and and all the and all the change in the media is like just trying to trying to accommodate for this you know it's like trying to celebrate everyone equally and everyone needs to have their like five minutes in the spotlight um and this is not to say that like anyone's actually responsible for that because if you you know if you if you, if you like start up a a company and you have a bad experience you know it was this it was just it was just you you know but there is just this um yeah like you say like this this kind of like trying to constantly slim everything down so that we can still meet the requirements and that everyone can talk about every game that comes out and it, yeah i mean I, I can't i can only imagine what it's like on behind the scenes to actually like play that many games and i know that um places like shut up and sit down like they play like 10 times as many games as they actually end up you know reviewing and turning into videos and you know we, we've sent them games in the past and and they've played and be like yeah we've enjoyed but you know it's not enough to like turn into you know to to give it the treatment and and we start thinking okay yeah cool because i because I, I don't want to like i don't really want you to feel like you have to like force out some content about this game and just create something that is seen by you know hundreds of people and it's just you being underwhelmed on camera like you know <laughs> exactly um which which is exactly what happens in some places like you know even with like like previews we've we've done some videos in the past where we send them a game and then they create like this you know 20 minute video kind of talking without a huge amount of direction about the game as if they kind of read the back of the box and then played it for half an hour and be like and just they thought they you know had an idea of it and it's like i'd rather i'd rather have like a couple creators who are kind of you know relative nobodies who are really passionate about it and kind of want to do the like the pitch rather than try and get all these you know big name reviewers on board just to kind of tick every box you know yeah coming from a, a board game designer publisher point of view do you care about reviews do you care about opinions oh yeah massively i mean as in when a reviewer you know are there certain reviewers that are kind of like the death knell for a game, if somebody doesn't like a game, you're just like, ah, oh, for goodness sake, now we're in a lot of trouble. Because, well, I mean, I mean, like, so the the kind of the big bad reviews we've got were were from Tom Vassell, um, and that was one where I don't even think I sought out sending the games to him to begin with. Hmm. Um, they like, but, but it was it was Farsight and Magus that he played, um, and was not a fan of either. And it was kind of, it was, it was still like majorly disappointing um, to like hear that, and then to have, you know, the kind of the because because you get like a different response, right? If it's like a bigger reviewer versus like a smaller one, like if someone, if if, if someone random like reviews your game and, and slates it, then you don't usually really get anyone responding. Whereas when Tom Vassell does it, like people just start messaging you directly and saying, Oh, did you see what he said? <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like, and it's kind of em- embarrassing in that sense. But then it was also just, I don't know. Cause, cause you, I watched like, it, it's different for everyone, right? Like I watched those videos and I thought, Oh, he kind of missed some really crucial points there or, or, or like, 
there were things we did that I thought solved his solved those critiques or or at least responded to them that he hasn't even touched upon. And then and 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 there were, you know, obviously in the minority, but a couple of people who responded to the videos being like, oh, it didn't he didn't mention this part of the game but because it's because most people are watching a review for like their first impressions yeah no one's going to know any better if if someone of that yeah uh, stature doesn't mention something so 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 those quick those quickly stopped mattering to me as much compared to um other games where they like other reviewers that like said why they didn't like something and said oh well you know this was done but ultimately for our group it wasn't enough Mm -hmm. whatever or, or had like a kind of could actually explain it in a way that ends up being more useful to you as a as a watcher anyway because because that's what you're trying to figure out right it's like is this right for me not is this the best or the worst game of the year um yeah i kind of approach kind of reviewing it it depends i'm kind of if i'm reviewing a game and if i'm writing about it i'm more confident about writing about something than i am about videoing about something Mm. And what that means is that I'm quite happy to go in kind of I'm I'm I enjoy writing, which means I hope it comes across that my writing I'm quite proud of the way I write. I've always kind of enjoyed the way that I write. My video stuff, I don't think that anybody gives three flying whatevers <laughs> about my my opinion on a game. I think that if I give an opinion on a game, I think that people are more People are going to go, oh, well, if they don't like it, then that's a kind of a good thing. I don't think I'm ever going to influence at the moment anybody buying or not buying a game based on a video that I watch. And and because I've instilled that in myself, I try to go for a kind of a more enjoyable, kind of chatty type of angle. I'm never going to be, I don't think, I'm never ever, because there's some established, as you say, there's established people. And there are people that are doing really, really well, like Quackalope seem to have come from nowhere up to like 13,000 subs in the space of basically 18 months. And you say he's come from, I say he's come from nowhere, but what I do know is the guy works his ass off constantly all the time. Um, mm. And, you know, I have a lot of time for, for, for Jesse and what he's done and what he's achieved. And people are really kind of taking on his opinion. It's the same with guys in the podcast scene, like the Board Game Barrage guys are doing really, really well and people listen to their opinion and so very wrong about games, they listen to their opinion. I am absolutely um, um, enchanted by everything that Ben Maddox is doing on YouTube. He knows I think the world of him, um, but (laughs) his opinion and everything that he does, he's taken for for what I see reviewing games um, in a completely kind of different direction. Which I I think... You make make an interesting point about kind of... uh like distinction between kind of like review and critique Mm. and it's a really difficult like um it's a difficult thing to balance right like because you want to um because it's a craft Mm -hmm. um and it's something that is and it and it's an, an art form and there are decisions that are made um for different reasons like 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 everything doesn't just get boiled down to like is this a balanced game or not, or is this fun or not? Um, and it's tricky to kind of balance that with the like kind of, kind of consumerist angle, which is like I'm watching a review so I can figure out whether or not I want to buy this game, yeah, um, or whether I want or, or, or I mean, 
I suppose I, I find the kind of the, the former more interesting because a lot of the times I'm watching a review to figure out like what are other people doing because I don't have time to or, or, or time or money to to buy and play every game that comes out and I want to kind of figure out you know quickly like what's the deal of a lot of games and why do people enjoy playing them um and it's just a lot more like helpful i think for for everyone to 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 know like the whys of a review more than um like the the what's you know you know like um i was watching the uh the shut up and sit down review of um search for planet x this morning and one thing that one point that he kept like hammering home was like this is a puzzle game and if you think that playing like you know a sudoku for an hour with your friends is the worst idea possible mm-hmm. don't buy this game mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not and it's not to, and it's that's the thing it's not to say that like that's not a damning review it's not a that's not him, him slaying it it's just saying like this is what it is and there are some people who will hate that and we're just letting you know it's it's, it's um you know even a, even a publisher who wants to have you know their game reviewed everywhere they don't want it to be misrepresented because that's how you end up with disappointed people yeah and, and that's how that's, you, met, you that, end up end up with things like size i think <laughs> you know well yeah um, like that's the thing like it it, it, it it's uh it's the ultimate kind of table rug <laughs> pulled from under people's feet and that's not to say it's a bad game it's not a bad game but it was yeah, probably yeah it's, it's just people didn't realize what it was when it, before it hit the table you know even i was kind of mm-hmm confused kind of learning that for the first time and thinking like is this a war game or it doesn't seem to be a huge lot of amount of fighting but i have these big robots and Mm -hmm. (laughs) like that's the thing like like half of game of of you know the the game design side of it is you're just battling with perception i know the amount of game the amount of games we're working on at the moment where, where it's like it's not even a matter of you know balance at this point it's it's figuring out what people's expectations are and trying to cater for those and and if uh if it's so far away from what people expect it to be do we need to change the theme you know that's that's how i think a lot of people like to use the term like oh like a theme that was slapped on Mm. and i would bet money that most of the time it's that they played the game and they were like oh if we put this if we keep its original theme yeah this is probably going to upset people or they're going to be disappointed when they play it and they realize it's not a medieval civ builder or whatever like it, you know it, it, it's it's too light for that so let's put it or make it about bunnies or like well know. no i mean that was pendulum for me yeah i mean pendulum i mean i quite you know i didn't mean to be horrible well i wasn't and i kind of looked at it and i just i went i looked at the camera and i went the theme is rubbish and i stand by that and it's not just a this game is it's like I think it would have worked with better with any other kind of theme at all. Anything mm. much more the fantasy stuff just was a kind of, kind of a total, a kind of a total mess. Um, which was and that, kind of and that was something that was something we we were watching kind of keenly to kind of see the response of was Pendulum because we are working on a um, on a real time game, mm-hmm. and as soon as that came out, and everyone started grumbling under their breaths mm. and, uh, and 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 everyone kind of looked around at me and, you know in, in brain cracker and they were like should, should we still do this should we still do a real-time game because people don't like it and i'm like it's not that people don't like real-time games it's that people 
have an expectation of them um or or, or the or the, you know it's um setting up kind of like real-time games versus what is pendulum mm-hmm. aside from that exactly um yeah. and and you know having having something where you pitch it and you say like oh yeah you can play this this way or you can play it without sand timers it gives everyone this big signal that like oh these maybe don't need to be here <laughs> or as whereas it, it, it's with what we're doing it's like you know this wouldn't be physically possible to play if 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 you, there were no sand timers you know this would be a very weird <laughs> just a very weird strategy <laughs> game <laughs> um i'm moving from i guess kind of real time to real life with so many, with so many with so many kind of meetups and conferences kind of moving on to the virtual space how much of that was a how much of that was was it a kind of a, a serious impediment to the business growth this year i mean like honestly it was a sigh of relief um <laughs> Because we were kind of going into the year being like, all right, now we have a baby. How are we going to do UKG with, you know, mm-hmm. with, with, with or without him? Like, it was just, you know, even even before COVID kind of reared its head, it was like, oh, God, how are we going to do this year? Because conventions are hard enough as it is. Mm-hmm. You know, especially like things like, like Essence Spielway, we were just, it, it is in many ways, and this is, me trying not to be melodramatic but it's like a hostile environment for a lot of publishers because you are going into like a different culture and you are having to meet like certain business requirements and you have to like look after your you know your staff in a foreign country and have you know deal with punters who are speaking five different languages and maybe make money that's like the bottom of the list usually it's like make money question mark (laughs) um promote games and 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 to boot like you're trying to do that while every other publisher in the land is doing exactly the same thing and it will ultimately become a case of who has the most money to throw at this you know who can be who who can have a and the same with you know ukg it's like who has the money this year to have a 20 square meter i mean 20 square meters even 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 that big a big stall at the front of (laughs) pool one where everyone walks in and to have like a million people dressed as kangaroos throwing leaflets at you and to try and do something that is vaguely competitive every year for all the major cons is just exhausting like it's it's like publishing an extra game it's that much effort at least for us, I'm talking talking only for myself. Um, it was really funny because um, it seemed that the 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 ones that I was exposed to or the ones that I had kind of dealings with. It was almost like the the smaller community driven events seemed to have more kind of success than the really big ones, and the really big ones oh, yeah, seemed to yeah. be completely. It was almost. Um, fractured into individual communities so for instance if you had a really good community behind you and you were able to advertise and say okay come along for our live event or we are doing um tabletop um we're doing tabletop simulator kind of uh, specials that you can join and Mm. play if you had that kind of sorted out as long as you had a community behind you you were fine because i heard um 
word around the campfire that spiel wasn't wasn't great. <laughs> FIFA like, haven't I? You know, I, I I kind of made up my mind a couple months in advance. Though I mean, we, I, like we did, like obviously we did some stuff for UKG just because that's such like a an annual kind of touchstone for us. Mm-hmm. But we made up our minds. Um, I mean, pretty much like after Spiel last year, before we even knew it was going to be cancelled, that we were like, okay, this isn't going to be as big a thing for us anymore. Because it's, whether it's online or in person, A, the expectation is massive of everyone. You know, everyone says like, oh, Spiel is the biggest show in the year, so you've got to like, do like a massive release yeah. and have like a big stall and, and, and really you know, get the punters around. And we just, we'd kind of already seen it at that point where we were like, at our current size, that's not really possible. Um, and we just need to kind of, from a business perspective, what we need to do is just support our distributors, and kind of and and talk to, and and communicate with our audience about things. And we can do both of those things a lot more effectively when everyone isn't trying to do it at the same time. And like you say, like the smaller kind of presences, um, where there isn't such like high traffic and high expectation. We just have we just get along with more, even just on like a personal angle. Um, Bez um, from Stuff by Bez did a little um, did like Bez Day. Yeah, she did. I think it was like two weeks two two weeks back. Yeah, and we played like I think I did like two or three demos of Dead and Breakfast, and we did a little stream, and we were there in the Discord like chatting to people, and it was so much more relaxed, and we actually got more quality time with everyone who turned up than we would even like, you know, a convention where we really put the hours in. Um, and and it's just, it, and it's just not trying to do everything on mass kind of just produces a better experience for everyone. Um, and then for the things that are on mass, you know, we can pick like a weekend that's good for us and that people are more likely to actually, you know, not have a thousand things to look at um, or some, you know, mildly janky you know portal that's been put together by yeah <laughs> by, by convention organizers and like and 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 this is not me trying to slate convention organizers because like they have businesses to support like they they are they have employees they have like they and they've been absolutely turned out on their asses this year and been told like with, with you know like six months notice like all right you need to pivot and be a digital events i know <laughs> And no one knows what that is. No one knows what what. Yeah, that's the thing. What everyone was saying was like, "Oh, what did digital conventions actually look like?" And they all had to come up. It was like it was almost like something off Taskmaster. It was like we had to just come up with our own interpretations exactly. Of, exactly. of what this looks got, like. And do you've it. got five minutes, uh, two sheets of A4 to fully describe and pitch to us what you think a digital event should be. And it's been the same. I mean, it's been the same in the industry that I work in. Is that there was. There's like trade shows where you get all the digital kind of companies, all the digital marketing people, and then you also get all the kind of the consultants that provide help and support to kind of like marketplaces like Amazon and eBay and stuff like that. And uh, they were like still trying to push um, to have these big events. And I don't think really any of them were hugely successful because at the end of the day, a lot of these people were kind of like the reason. The reason somebody goes to a trade show is because they like the face-to-face element. People have drawn out their list of who they're going to meet, 
And if you remove that face-to-face element, they just end up con- cop- contacting the company direct. So what I have seen kind of come from this is I've seen people like Renegade Games. They're just running Twitch streams all the time now. That's all they do now. You know, every like once a week, what they do is they now they say, okay, are you interested in kind of providing coverage for a game? Come on our Twitch stream and uh, you can play a game with us and then you can kind of write about your experience or you can play it kind of that way. And that's been a kind of like an interesting way of things kind of going forward. Um, it makes it a lot easier for, for creators as well. It's like what we were talking about earlier and saying that, you know, there's this kind of rush to produce content to catch up with what's what, with what people are talking about. It's It's so much easier if you're not concentrating all that in you know two or three weekends of the year, um, and and we did we did some great like you know like play alongs with um, uh, with like board game gumbo for for, for UKG just like mm-hmm. s- just sat and played the game mm-hmm. and I was like oh this is this it can be this easy yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. yeah yeah but we'll need to see I mean there's talk of things changing and stuff like that but I'm yet to I'm yet to kind of see I'm I'm not. <laughs> I think that if there's another setback, I think that the uh, that there's there um, I can't see all these events kind of happening again. I think there'll be a fracture, and I don't really particularly see there being kind of big events unless people can kind of get back together again. I just can't see it. I think people miss other people's company, and a lot of these for me, you know, going to Aircon. The reason to go to Aircon was I was meeting kind of Ross and. Than Ross and Dan Hughes, and you know, met Rodney Smith for the first time, and everything like that. Um, and that's like a big thing, you know. It's like the person-to-person contact. So we need to see kind of what happens. But um, yeah, I think I think we're just like we're kind of looking at it like we need to just keep focused on ourselves, which I know mm. sounds really just like insular, but it's like no, we we can't just chase the kind of hotness and if sometimes that means being you know staying quiet and letting the publishers that do want to like use that platform to talk about their games like that if that helps them then that that's that's that, you know that's really good yeah. it's just that we're, we're trying to almost like take our time with things and figure out like yeah what how can we uh well when, when do we want to put our games on the pedestal and and show what, what they're what they're good at and not just like you know rush out something that doesn't <laughs> doesn't value people's time Exactly, exactly. So, if people do want to have a look at your pedestal, Lewis. <laughs> I don't want to make this just an hour-long conversation about my pedestal, but yeah, go on. <laughs> where where can they find you? Where do you exist? Uh, we are Braincrack Games yeah. on everything. So, braincrackgames.com, Braincrack Games on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Um, and we have uh, all pages on our website talking about uh, all our different games. And we have, I think if you scroll to the bottom, there's a little upcoming releases page mm-hmm. um, where we have then the things that we are working on at the moment. Um, and yeah, and then we'll be putting out kind of more, st- we're going to start doing more and more announcements soon about uh, Florence, which is our next game that will come to Kickstarter, um, which we're very excited about. That sounds all fantastic. We'll make sure that obviously we uh, we uh, flourish everybody with the information on Florence and the likes. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, 
people will hear about it. We're like, actually, we're going to try and market things this time. We're actually going to like <laughs> do 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 outreach and actually like yeah, try and are you, are tell you... people about about the game before we launch it because we had a terrible habit of just like <laughs> a week's notice be like, hey, have you heard about Venice? Why not? <laughs> well, it's here. It's launched. <laughs> Fantastic, fantastic. Um, it was good to catch up with you. It was good to have and a chat. Um, obviously, keep an eye on. Um, we've got some stuff. We're going to be writing some. We're going to be filming some stuff. I think, which will be Ooh. fun in the next kind of month or two. Um, but keeping a keep an eye on us. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Again, I can only thank you for for Gek for coming back on. It's been and far you. too long. It's been far too long. Thank you so much for listening to my chat with Lewis from Braincrack Games. Make sure you click on the show notes and check out some of the games that they are doing. Um, if you'd like to find out more about what we're up to, then again, you can click the show notes below. below. Uh, but especially like it if you checked out our YouTube channel. Um, we're producing content on a regular basis. And it'd be really nice to hear and see some of you there. But in the meantime, stay safe, roll sixes, make something awful. And until the potential next time, it's good to be back. Bye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. Mm-hmm.